0: Hi, I'm your host Juliette Root, welcome to the WooCast. I've been in the health and wellness industry for the last 15 years as a personal trainer, board-certified nutritionist, and integrative healing coach. My passion is to motivate and support people in having a healthy and thriving, joyful life. This podcast will educate, inspire, and empower you as we dive deep into everything from spirituality to mysticism, alternative medicine, and human optimization. Most importantly, my hope is that this show feels like a nice, warm hug of connection and support from others who are also interested in living a life that isn't just about surviving and getting by, but a life that is truly thriving. Please enjoy this episode and I would be so grateful if you could support the podcast by subscribing, rating, and reviewing. If you use Apple Podcasts, this is the best place to do this so the show can rank and be seen and the more people that can have access to this show, the healthier the world becomes. It is truly a ripple effect. So please Please spread the love and enjoy. Welcome to the WooCast episode 59. I am your host, Juliette Root. And today I have the incredible Dr. Shea Osuna, who is right now my neighbor, but we'll see for how long. She is a network spinal chiropractor specializing in how stress and trauma stores in the nervous system. Her specific technique facilitates dissipation of nervous system tension and allows the body to become more resilient to stress. Through her work, she began to create a program that supported women in transforming their inner dialogue and creating the life they desired. She began coaching women, assisting them in changing their mindset and working through stress in the body that was keeping her clients stuck. Shea works with women facing personal and professional stress to become more adaptable, resilient humans, as well as tap into their intuition, beat burnout, and become better leaders. And let me just say that when I first moved here, I was dealing with All of that stuff, burnout, nervous system, like tension. And that is how I met Shay and I went to her practice and got to feel firsthand holy shit, how much our body stores stuff and how unaware we are sometimes of exactly what is going on unless we slow down, tune in, and listen to what's actually going on in the body. So thank you. Welcome. So excited to have you on the show. Thank
1: you for having me. And yeah, I just want to, it's amazing to witness how, when you moved here and the transformation that's happened just in you over the course of this, what, six, six months or so, or it's been a year, right?
0: I guess it's been and- almost nine months. So yeah. Okay. Nine months. Yeah. We're in the
1: middle somewhere. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's been really an honor too, for me to witness you're slowing down and you're tuning in and your intuitive piece, and like what that's allowed you to birth. And so, yeah, I'm excited to be here and to chat with you.
0: Okay. <laughs> and it's hard sometimes to see ourselves in those changes. And it's nice to have it mirrored to you from somebody else because it's almost like a part of me. And I've talked about this on the podcast that died. It's how I explain it. Like, and then I just birthed this new version of myself. And I don't even really remember. It's like amnesia of, wait, who was that other person?
1: Yeah. Mm, That's such a beautiful introduction to what we're going to chat about today or where, what we think we're going to chat about today. Who knows actually. But, um, you know, so I do a technique called network spinal. And um, one of the things that we hold in perspective as practitioners is whether a person is, you know, there we call it their Epi way is more internal or external, and it's a different conversation than just introverted or extroverted, or you know, type A, type B, type of conversation. But what you're really explaining is the external nature, um, which is very like future driven. Where we're we know it's out there, we know it's happening, and we can be fueled from that place. And so, what it sounds like to me too in your evolution of that is like dying is definitely a way it feels like. And it also is just a way of you just going, I'm just not tied to the past anymore. I'm not gonna come from the past anymore. I'm gonna come from what's possible and what's happening and allow that to fuel me. And when that happens, everything else falls away. And so that's kind of also what it really feels like. And also with being external, we can't always witness ourselves. We have to uh, have that mirror, like you said, of community, to show us and to mirror back to us how absolutely incredible we are.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know you have had a real transformation over the years as well, and I would love to learn more about that. You know, I was your patient, but now I get yeah. to hear about your journey. <laughs> so, yeah, how did how did you get involved in supporting people in this way? I know you had your own transformation.
1: Yeah. It was a long I mean, it's been a long road and a really wonderful road. So, I mean, I grew up being in a holistic household. My, You know, I was always in, into more alternative ways of health. Um, my friends always laugh, like we joke, because my first doctor was a naturopathic doctor, sorry, a homeopathic doctor. And he worked out of his home in the woods in Foster Gloucester. So if you're from New England, you know that Foster Gloucester is like this little like a uh, bubble where everywhere else is getting like, you know, five inches of snow. Foster gets like three feet of snow. And it's like this just rural area in Rhode Island. Um, and he would work out of his home and my mom would drive me there and that I would go get my, my homeopathics. And like, that's, you know, how she, she raised us. So I was always raised to think a little bit differently. Um, but what's interesting is as I witnessed myself grow, I, started to have a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear-driven, ways of seeing the world. My perspective was very Um, fear-driven. and I've had to do a lot of work to unravel that, but that was happening for me as a child and then into my teen years. And so when I got into my late teens and twenties, I became really disconnected because it was, I think it was just too much in my system to feel, and I didn't have the resources to do it. Um, so, I was experiencing a lot of what you would deem anxiety, anxious, fear in my body, in my physical body, um, without the resources or tools to breathe through it or look at it differently or, you know, anything to shift the perspective around what I was experiencing.
0: Can I ask um, and- you, Shay, how that showed up in your body when you say it was uh, physical? How did that show up for you?
1: Uh, GI symptoms was a big one for me. Yep. Um, so, I had really, I, They wanted to diagnose me with like IBS, which is basically just, um, you have symptoms of fluctuating, you know, bowel movements and you, your stomach hurts and you different foods bother you, but we can't really track what it is. So we're just going to call it that your bowels are irritable, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I had that, um, I had a lot of tension in my body, just actual physical tension. Like I was clenching a lot. I wasn't breathing. I, uh, tension in my diaphragm shoulders. I had neck stuff that would always come up, um, when I was stressed out. So I could just, you know, there was just a lot of physical sensation, you know, that anxiousness, that like jitteriness, your body's on edge. Um, and it was just too much for me to handle, you know, when I was at that age and I didn't have any other way of, of dealing with it. So I ended up becoming pretty trying to find ways to disconnect mostly through alcohol, through exercise, um, and just working way too hard. So it was very driven. I was working like two or three jobs, going to school, um, going out with friends at night. So it was like very disconnected lifestyle. Um, all the way up until I was probably like 24 years old. Um, I'd moved to California and I'd lived there a couple of years and I finally decided I wanted to go back and become a chiropractor. And that was kind of the beginning of the real journey. Um, and I proceeded with a lot of these disconnective patterns in school as well. You know, we went out and partied a lot. We, um, you know, we worked really hard. We studied really late and I was very driven. So I was involved in all the extracurriculars and continued down that road. And then one day, um, well, let me back up. Well, I was going right, to say one it,
0: thing you and I bonded over was that you were also in the fitness industry while you were in school. Yeah. And I remember you telling me some insane amount of classes that you were teaching between yeah. teaching cycling classes and the mega former Pilates. What was it sure. like 20 something classes a week?
1: Yeah. Well, this hasn't even happened yet. Oh this was God. after chiropractic school that that happened. Um, and I was in fitness up until chiropractic school. Um, but when I first was about to go to school, uh, a friend, I have two really dear friends. We we are soul sisters, is what we call each other. And we were... One of them was already a chiropractor. One of them was in school and they knew each other through, um, you know, a doctor's office. And so she, one of the, my doctor friends, she was like, Hey, let's meet up with my, with a girlfriend of mine that's going to school. She does this technique called network spinal, uh, at the time network spinal analysis, they changed the name. Um, and she's like, let's go get her, let's go get checked. And I was like, all right, that sounds great. And I laid down at the table and, um, got my spine checked in by network spinal um, analysis. And I just remember bawling my eyes out, like bawling and then laughing hysterically. <laughs> and I got off the table and I was like, "What the heck was that? And I was a little bit scared to be honest, because I was from the East coast. I grew up in a place where like, we didn't really cry very often. So it's like, Oh my goodness. And my range of emotion, people can't see, but it was like very tiny box of range of emotion, um, at the time. So like anything outside of that really threw me for a loop. Um, so that was my first introduction to the work. And, um, you know, so it kind of, I t- kind of took a break from it. And since through school, I started to realize that something else was calling me because of fitness. I wanted to be a a sports chiropractor. I was wanting to work with the rugby team. I was doing all this other stuff, focusing on the musculoskeletal, but yet I wasn't feeling any better. I was still super anxious, still disconnecting. And finally was just like, okay, something's got to give, there's got to be another way. And so I started to get under network spinal care. And, um, my mentor now, Jane Arts is in, um, Berkeley area. And I went and saw her throughout my entire chiropractic career And everything changed. Everything changed. Um, My relationship to anxiety shifted. I was able to be with the physical sensations of my body and accept what was going on. Um, And even when I was anxious or was coming in fear, I felt like I had such a bigger bandwidth, like flexibility in my whole body and nervous system and life that I was able to really cope with, not even cope, but like optimize, you know, and use those things as a gift. And so that was where my journey started. I was doing also going to seminars and learning the work as well. Um, but then what was interesting was I graduated and I learned a lot. Um, but then while I was waiting for my license, this is what you were referencing is I started to teach the Megaformer former Pilates, kind of like Pilates, but Megaformer classes. And I was a cycle instructor before school. So um, and I taught all the way through school. So at one point, right after I graduated chiropractic school, now mind you, three years of intense work as getting my doctorate jumped right into teaching fitness classes. And I was teaching, I think at the peak of things, I was teaching 24, um, uh, mega classes a week, plus probably five cycling classes. A week.
0: I can even with that. I mean, for any, I, the, I know I have listeners who are in the in- industry still that are probably like what the actual F. Yeah. I mean, I've only run into a handful of instructors that have done like 25, maybe in like (laughs) New York city. And myself, I think the most I've ever done is 15 and I was dead. (laughs) So (laughs) wow. Your capacity, not that it's a good thing, but
1: it wasn't a good thing. (laughs) It wasn't a good thing. Um, you know, it was, I walked into the studio, they had lost their head trainer, they needed someone, they were desperate. And I was like, here I am. And um, I did that for six months, um, teaching 6am classes all the way till 8pm classes. Sometimes Um, I was teaching at 6am five days a week. and then of course, going out with friends and where was I, I was literally pre-chiropractic school, pre all of this stuff going, what happened, right? Like still working too hard, still drinking, still, uh, you know, just working out way too much. Um, and I met my now husband like six months after I had started. And I remember after we'd been dating for a little bit, I stayed over his house and I remember him having these beautiful blackout shades. And I laid down on Friday afternoon and was like, hey, do you know if I just take a little nap? I don't think I woke up until Sunday morning.
0: Damn.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> a little reference point of like what was actually happening in my physical body. Yeah. And on top of it, I had no voice. I had this like raspy, like low voice because I was yelling and like all day, every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was like, that was my reality at first. And I have to say, he did a lot to help say, Hey, like, here's my mirror. Here's my, my person, right. To go, this is not okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I kind of want to spend more time with you and have you not fall asleep for two days straight when we're on a date.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. By Friday, he'd like, he'd want to hang out. And I'm like, I like, like, what is, what's wrong with you? You can't even function on Friday afternoon. Like I was miserable. I couldn't even answer like what time it don't even ask what time it is because I couldn't handle any kind of simple questions. So Yeah, he's fully mirrored.
0: (laughs) What's the drive there? I want to talk about the drive to do that much. We talked about like external, right? And then you had the experience of slowing down and had your nervous system experience a different way. And yet there's like a default pattern of like, I'm going to go back into that old pattern. And I think that happens to many of us, myself included, where I'll be really feeling so much better and aligned. And then it's like, did you learn nothing from, from before going back into an old pattern? So, and patterns are something that you talk about a lot in, in networks and all. So yeah. Yeah. Why is that happening for people? This wanting to default? Yeah. So
1: there's a few things that can really happen for me personally. It was, um, it wasn't really getting to the core. I was feeling at the time, I was feeling all the things that I hadn't felt for years and years and years and just like really like releasing a lot from my system. But I never got to the place where I was actually pulling that pattern from my nervous system. And so it was a very comfortable pattern in my system. And I knew comfort there. I knew safety there, even though it's not healthy. A lot of us have patterns that our nervous systems have deemed safe that keep us alive, but don't help us actually thrive. And so I feel like that's what was happening for me was I had these. deep. Yeah. rooted um, fear responses. Like I mentioned about my childhood, about how I saw the world. So I had, in order to be enough, in order to survive, I had to be moving. I had to keep going. I had to be making as much money as I need, as I could possibly make and fit into a day. And I felt very uneasy when I wasn't working, right. When I wasn't doing something. And so then I would have to go out and have some drinks so that I could let my body relax, my mind relax. And, um, so that was the pattern. I just was never really getting to the core of like, Hey, am I enough as I am without having to run myself into the ground? And so that was the pattern that I learned was you're not enough if you, and you're not accepted, you're not loved. Like you're going to die basically is how I felt if you are not working like this.
0: When Uh, you say that out loud, I think I can really relate to this, this, I know. And, you know, because this is why we bonded, because I yeah. was so driven. Oh, this is that I never realized until more recently that that was safety for me and still continues to live on a little bit. And it's like I have to really challenge those patterns and rewire those patterns in my brain and in my body that doing more doesn't mean that you're not going to die. <laughs> doing less can mean the same thing. And, but I'm imagining if I had heard this concept before I really had any awareness around this, that it would have been like, that doesn't make any sense to me that I'm still <laughs> safer when I'm, you know, killing myself, pushing yeah. myself so hard that my body thinks it, or rather my body thinks it's like going to die. It's, there's a survival component to this. Yeah. Is this some sort of very reptilian, like old you know, evolutionary response that we haven't, we haven't grown out of?
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, there is like, like I said, for me, it's like, I did actually feel like I wouldn't survive. And so when we're babies and when, as we grow as humans, we learn what's acceptable in the tribe. And so as babies, we start to ask for milk and we and food and love and, you know, and connection. And when we don't get that, when we're babies, then we start to learn that when we cry, maybe our needs aren't going to be met or, you know, if there wasn't enough, we start to see this, um, this like area of lack in resources. <clears throat> and so as babies, it can already set us up, right. If we were not cared for and all of our needs were met. Um, there's this stuff, and this might be triggering for some people who are parents, but like, there is so much disconnect with our kids these days and we're taught to sleep train and we're taught not to you know spoil them your children your babies are not taking advantage of you they just want love and connection and there's nothing wrong with that right so um excuse me so I think that you know especially this generation we kind of started to have that switch where um those things were starting to become trendy of you know letting our kids cry it out, not carrying them around as much. Where if you look at us in the past, we were, our babies were strapped to our bodies all the time. That's what they needed was that comfort. And they learned social acceptance. They learned how to be a part of society by reading the mother's energy or reading the parent's energy or the adult. So it starts at a young age. And if that's not, if our needs are not met, that can trickle into later in life. And then as we grow, we start to learn how to fit into culture so that we can survive, so we can be accepted by the tribe. And so this is a very primal survival instinct that we need to be a part of a tribe, because at one point, if we weren't, we could probably couldn't survive because the tribe kept you safe, kept you warm, fed you, right? And so we just were kind of modern humans still with this, some of these old survival and primal patterning.
0: Absolutely, you know, and right now, there's a lot happening in the world with social acceptance and you know being a good citizen and going and doing the right thing, and that plays on a lot of that too. and there's there is a level of anxiety happening right now collectively. let's not even you know there's all we all have our own shit, and then we have a collective thing happening right now that i I've been acknowledging pretty much every episode because. I want to let everyone know that like you are not alone in that some like, things like your shit might be coming up now more than it has been. I've been just talking to so many clients and like social people on social media, and sleep is disrupted right now. Their nervous systems feel extra fried right now. Like I have less capacity all of a sudden to do what I used to be able to do. I just want to acknowledge that you know there's a lot happening right now. You touched on a couple of things with children and getting their needs met and just culturally like how we live and the systems that are not in place properly to support families uh, to take care of their children in that way. So this is something that is systemic that we all have to kind of, you know, work through to push beyond what we've been doing that isn't necessarily healthy for children. But I know for a lot of my, you know, my mom friends that they are not home, because they don't have the ability to be home with their children all the time in the in those, you know, first couple of years, are, they're just trying their best. And I know you're, you're a mom. And it's like, we have to a lot of times rethink and retrain ourselves from all of the societal, quote, unquote, norms that have been Put in place. And because everybody at the end of the day is just trying to do the right thing. But we're also always looking to the outside to tell us what that right thing is. There you go. And we're not (laughs) tapped into the instinctual part of us. And when you're peeling back these layers, and like you said, you felt your feelings, but you weren't getting to the root. How did you end up getting to that root place? How does one do that work? Because, <laughs> like, oh, feel the heel, feel the heel. We hear that. Yep. But how do we get to the root? Yeah. So,
1: <clears throat> a simple one of the simple ways, um, our simplest ways to explain that piece is, and this came up while you were just speaking as well. You know, number one, I loved that you connected doing the right thing with by whose standards is really what you're saying, right? Like by whose standards is it the right thing? Is it by ours or is it by what you are told and what culture tells you, right? And that's, also, that's just a really great place and a really great question to ask yourself because it's a good foundation to go, okay, wow, it's not mine. Those are not my shoulds. Those are not my, my values, my rights and wrongs. And then you can start to get curious. And so <clears throat> we have a process um, in Network Spinal um, and in some of the work that the founder, Donald Epstein, has created where we, uh, we sit with the energy that is there and you acknowledge it. You're, first, you're aware of it, right? So we're all here and listening because we're aware or because we're curious about becoming aware of what those patterns are or what the energy is in our system. And then we acknowledge it, talk to someone, you know, talk to the, the person who's your mirror, um, <clears throat> acknowledge it for yourself, really allow it to have a voice, to be real. And then the hardest step for me is the last piece, which is the A of acceptance. And that right there, that process of acknowledge, of awareness, acknowledging and accepting the energy and and the present moment for what it is without feeling like you need to change it or judge it or move away from it. And if you can finally find acceptance of that piece, that is, that is where you can actually start to make change from, if that makes sense. So basically what I'm trying to say is like, say I have a pattern that I really don't like, right? Like take it in the past, like I, I disconnected a lot. And when I was disconnected, I wasn't in my heart. It wasn't in my body. It wasn't passionate for others. And I was very much me driven and get out of my way. And I had a really hard time once I actually was aware that that was a pattern. And so I would do everything in my power to be the opposite of that, to move away from that. And it didn't get me anywhere. And so when I was able to just accept that quote unquote shadow piece of myself and go, yeah, that's a part of who I am. And even farther, that was a survival mechanism that I felt necessary to survive at one point point. and to just fully accept and bring compassion to that part of me and to that energy around it, it freed up so much, what I would say, unbound energy to come in and to help me choose more. And so what I, what I want to get clear is that when we are constantly moving away from something, It's really hard to actually make change because the more we resist, the more those things persist, right? And we're not actually getting to the core of being able to sit and accept those deep, deep wounds in parts of us so that we can actually go, okay, little inner child, it's okay that you were scared. It's okay that you needed to disconnect. And I'm really, really sorry that that happened to you. And now you're not alone, and I'm here, and I see you, and I accept you now. No, we can keep going together. And that little inner child can go, oh, right? Because those are where our deep patterns are. They're from our parents, from what we've witnessed, they're from culture and what we've witnessed and what we've been taught. They're from survival mechanisms that we needed to survive and to feel safe in the world. And so by really coming back to that little person again and helping nurture them, and a lot of reparenting is definitely a big word out there as well reparenting ourselves when needed. Um, we're really able to let our nervous systems calm down and to feel that sense of safety so that we have enough energy available to actually claim more of what we deserve and what we want in our life. So I hope that kind of answers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I would love to workshop with you like a couple of scenarios with, you know, like, okay, someone comes to you and they notice this pattern of being really critical towards their partner. So they have awareness of this. I'm really critical towards my partner. I make comments. Let's say they make comments about how they look. Mm. And then from there, where would they go next? Okay, I'm, I'm aware this is not, this isn't healthy. This isn't nice. This doesn't feel good for me to do. It doesn't feel good for the person to receive it. Where is this coming from? Where would they go next with, okay, have the awareness. How do I get to the root of, What is causing this?
1: So the next step that we would probably take, I mean, we'd be doing some physical work together as well, doing network spinal. And um, I would probably move into some somatorespiratory integration as well, uh, which is SRI for short. So I'll probably just call it SRI. Um, But it's also really about helping the mind and body integrate and to bring more and deeper connection to the nervous system. Um, and so my question for that person would probably be, and I might ask them this directly, but I also might just keep it in my, my perspective, right? So not everything I say to the person at the time, because I really want people to find it on their own. I want them to discover when I, when people work with, with me and probably any network final practitioner, you know, one of those things that we really make clear is this is a partnership. You need to participate in your care. This is not you lay on the table and you feel better and you leave. This is transformational work. That's really going to allow you to show up more fully in your authentic nature and your purpose in life. And so sometimes I'll, I'll keep it in my, my perspective. And sometimes I will ask, but one of my questions for them is, um, is really, you know, at the deepest level And this, there might be layers above it because who knows how, you know, how, where they're at. Um, so it's a little bit hard to tell, but deep at the root, my question really being is like, what's, what's the fear, um, is where I usually take it first. So with someone who's being critical with their partner, um, you know, there could be fear of abandonment. And even though that sounds weird because they're being critical of their partner and pushing them away, that's the idea, right? Is if I push this person away and I keep my boundaries up, I can be ready and they won't abandon me. Mm-hmm. Or I'll be ready for it, right? So there can be that fear of abandonment. There can be also it could be a flip-flop of them being critical of themselves. Right. A so there's a projection, right? So if they're super critical of themselves, they expect everyone else to be at the same standard. Um, and so there can be that hypercritical of self and, and lack of self love or acceptance. There can be that fear of abandonment. So there's a lot of things underneath. And mm-hmm. so what, what I would probably do is help facilitate them through some SRI to really connect with the area of their body. They're feeling that. So like where, where we did this, I did this one with you where you find the area that's, that's connected. That's working in your body because a lot of times we're so hyper-focused on what's not working or what is painful or whatever that we don't actually tap into what feels good or feels connected. So I help them find that ease and connection in their body. First, (sighs) we connect there. And then we come to the area that, you know, it could be as simple as when I'm critical at my partner and I think about it, my heart hurts. Okay, let's, you know, let's go there. Or when I'm working on them and uh, I do a network spinal entrainment, I might notice an area that um, they're not able to find or, you know, bring resource to. So I might have them bring their hands there. And we really work with, you know, just saying some mantra of sometimes this area feels really disconnected or sometimes they feel really sad or angry here. Um, And bringing breath and awareness and acknowledgement to that area, so that and then then usually the next step at the end is a level of acceptance of that energy. So what I help people do too is take the story and let the story be separate for a moment and actually just be with the physical sensation. So same thing with anxiety, right? I have anxiety. uh, It's this thing. I I label it. I'm I have I have anxiety. Right? Like my anxiety. So I really let them separate from that and go. Okay. Well, where do feel that in your body? What's the physical sensation? What's your experience of it somatically? And when we can peel away the label, it makes things a lot easier and a lot less scary. It's Like, oh, it's this thing that's right here that I'm experiencing um, and working with that. So it's usually the first step that I take is um, not really working directly on being critical with their partner, but like what, you know, my, my question being, you know, what's the fear here? What's the wound that may have happened? That's making this person really feel like they have to criticize their partner or keep them at a distance or not accept them for who they are? Is it because I can't accept myself for who I am? Is it because I'm here, they're going to run away. So I have to keep them at a distance. What is that question? Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, I help them find that in their body and find the experience. And a lot of times because of that, people will have emotional responses. They'll have ah ahas and go, Oh, wow. And they'll actually answer the question that I'm thinking of, but not actually asking them right. Or telling them. Um, so it's kind of like, I just hold it in perspective. Um, <clears throat> what's That's so unique
0: about this process versus the model that, um, many people are used to with traditional therapy in that you can come, you can come to all of that in in therapy with, okay, let's, let me ask the question. What's the fear? Oh, I have this aha. Okay. Actually, I know that I'm pushing my partner away because I'm actually afraid they're going to leave me. And so I want to be the one in control so that I can protect my heart. Okay, great. Now you know that. Cool. what do I do? <laughs> but doesn't change the pattern in yeah. the nervous system. Why is it so important that we go to that next place? And I, I really want the, like myself to take this in fully today and the listeners. Because I'm such a I'm, I don't blame it on being a Virgo sun sign, but I'm super analytical. So I can go all day long analyzing and being in my stories. And there's like a power in that for myself at least, and being like, I got, I know myself. I know my stories. Oh, there she goes again. But I'm not i I'm somewhat running away sometimes from actually changing the pattern and there's a lot of resistance that can come up going back to it's hard, you know, it can be hard to change our bodies are afraid to change the pattern because well, that's an unknown. So familiarity feels safer. Yeah. So why do we have to go into the, why do we have to deal with the nervous system?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So your nervous system takes in like 3 trillion or more like bits of information per second. And it's your operating system. It's everything right? It's what's helping us communicate and breathe and eat and every single, every single thing that our body does. And it's constantly interfacing and interacting with the field around you always. So if we aren't changing our nervous systems experience of the world, then nothing will change, right? And the mind is powerful, but the body is just as powerful, if not more. And a lot of these trillions of bits of information come in on unconsciously. We're only able to consciously process a few and unconsciously we process a lot more when we don't even know it. We're processing energy around us. We're processing all sorts of things that our conscious mind doesn't know. And these patterns, it's, I always think about it as like if you took a piece of wood and a saw And you started to just slowly and lightly saw into one place and just keep going over and over. That's kind of how it works with your neural connections in your brain is the more that you feed that story or that connection, the deeper the groove gets. So if you went 30 plus years in this pattern, the the groove is pretty deep. You don't even have to think about it. It's It's an unconscious pattern that you just do. So how do we actually rewire those patterns and how do we take the saw out of that deeply grooved nerve uh, root and come over and make a new pathway is kind of how I explain it to people. So it's really the reason that it's not just enough for the mind is because then all of a sudden you're with your partner. They say something you're triggered and then there you are right back in it because you're not conscious. You're not consciously choosing. And so we have to teach the nervous system. Number one, we, we, you know, hug that inner child and we reframe things and create a sense of safety for that inner child. And we also place patternings and and, uh, practices for our nervous system to calm down so that when we are going into our situations with our partners or where we're triggered, we can have resources. We can know we're going to take a breath while they speak and we're going to pause. We know that we're going to um, you know, meditate in the morning and visualize how we actually want that to go and to let our nervous system feel what it's like to actually choose this new pathway. And so there's all sorts of practices that you can do to just to make your nervous system slow down. But part of the process is slow down, stop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what the beauty of network spinal does as well is it really helps to reorganize the nervous system so that um, there's more energy available. Um, to create change and there's more space you know for and what we do is we help create a safe level of instability in the system for change like I think what what came up when you were talking earlier was um, you know we keep these patterns because they're safe and when we change when we think about changing a pattern what it's actually doing is creating a level of instability in our nervous system that's going whoa I don't know if I can handle this right like what if I open my heart and I'm compassionate towards my partner when I see them and I just see them as a soul and accept them for who they are? You know how vulnerable I am? <laughs> because my heart is wide open, right? And they could come in and do anything to it. And then I'm hurt and I'm abandoned, right? And that's that's the thought process. So it's like that's not like too much. It's
0: like, okay, how do you yes. take baby steps to get to that fully heart open place?
1: Right. But I am going to say can't change if you're not willing to be vulnerable. Because in order to change, we have to be able to do something new and different. And if we do something new and different, it's going away from or moving towards something that's not natural to our nervous system at this point. Right. And we have to be able to allow ourselves to be a little unstable. We cannot stay completely change a stable structure, a piece of brick. Like the only way to do that is to smash it, like throw it as hard as you can you know, and, or smash it with some sort of like hammer, right? It's the only way to break it. But do you want to have to do that to your nervous system? No, we want to gently start to create a level of instability that we we can reorganize and bring to a new level of stability and then reorganize to a new level of stability. And that's the idea, right? Through the work that we do with Network Spinal is to create a sense of safety and foundation for the nervous system and then introduce a little bit of instability and let it reorganize and go, Ooh, I can come up a little higher and I can create the baseline of stability here. And then I can do it again and I can create a new level of stability here. And so that's kind of the lens that you can look at when you're trying to change any pattern really is like, where can I allow a little bit of vulnerability, um, you know, and to have a tribe, if you have a great communication, or if you have a partner who's willing to do this work with you, just to kind of go with what you, your example, it's really important to create that container and to say, Hey. Let's sit down and actually talk about this because I really want to be able to show up for you and see you as a, as a soul and to love you for who you are. And in order for me to do that, I have to feel a lot of safety. And so I need to be able to communicate and we need to be able to be brought together. And if you can't do that, but you want to hire someone, right? Hire someone to witness the two of you. Um, If it's something for yourself, you know, have a tribe, have other people who are supporting you on this journey, who are also doing the work and who can See you, and can support you, and bring compassion and um, celebrate you in that process. I think that's the other important piece: is community or someone to to you know, support you in this.
0: This level of acceptance that you bring up, I think, this is a very big piece of this. That I am, I'm on that stage of it right now. I believe for many of the things that I've been going through, awareness got the knowledge, root acceptance. Is I think one of the more challenging pieces, the last step, clearly. <laughs> yep. And um, I always like to just share like parts of myself with people because I it's you know the I think the best way that we can all learn from each other. But one of the things I'm really working on with myself right now is a fear of not being in control, which shows up in so many ways, right? But one of which is not taking adventure on. For fear of like hurting myself. So for example, I want to, I, I want to surf, but I'm afraid to, of drowning and I don't have much experience in the ocean because I never let myself have, have that experience of the ocean because it was very scary to me. And just even understanding of, I can accept that I have a lot of vulnerability with this and a lot of shame in even expressing it. So I think that there's a big part of this in the expression of it and allowing others to see you in that vulnerability like you're saying is really healing component. So when a friend of mine is like I want to take you on a surf trip with me and teach you how to surf, I think an old part of me would have I would, how am I going to get out of this? I feel ashamed to even t- to say that I'm terrified. And so I'm like no, I'm just going to put it all out on the line and say everything that my I you know, I let my body feel just how guarded and freaked out it is of the thought of doing something like this. And that we're going to need to take baby steps. Because I think another thing is jumping into those ocean waters with just because like, I'm going to face my fear isn't always the best thing for our nervous system either. And recognizing that, I think, for me personally, is has been the most powerful piece of this is, okay, I have to go slow and be safe. But I do want to push up against this because there's a part of me that wants to break through the next level of experiencing things in my life that I haven't let myself experience. And I have to be vulnerable as fuck and accept that I feel this way. And not and the shame around that really comes through. Well, Why can't I just be adventurous like these other people? You know,
1: Totally. You bring up a great point. So one of the things I'm hearing is um, something called a gap which is what we, we work with a lot is it's really hard for us, um, to make change. And when we don't accept because we create a gap. And so what you're saying is like, okay, at this, at this place, you have so much fear of, you know, of drowning and being that kind of adventurous. And there's like this level of freeze here. And then on the other side of it, it's like, okay, I'm not going to accept that. I haven't accepted that yet. So I'm just going to operate from over here and I'm going to go face my fears and, and ignore that or like prove that I, that I can do it or uh, try to get out of it. And so there's this, there's this gap. And then, the, and also the comparison, why am I not, why can't I do this? There's so many other people who can all these things. Right. And then we do everything in our power to try to change it without just going Yeah, wow, I'm, I'm scared. That's actually really scary. It's really scary to go out and be open water, you know? And so To be able to just come back and close the gap and just come to where you are and what that energy and that experience is. It's just like, yeah. And the tricky part about it, the acceptance. Like, so when you tell your friend and you tell them all that stuff, that's still the acknowledgement piece. Tricky part about the acceptance is in that moment in time for however long it is to just go, yeah, that's it. Let me just feel that energy. Like I don't have to change it. I don't even, I'm not even thinking about changing it. I'm not even thinking about having that, how this acceptance is going to change it because that's all right. It's like, okay, if I accept it, now I can move forward and I can change it, right? Like, yes, and, and in this moment, you just accept it, just go, yep. I don't know if it's going to change. I don't know if I'm ever going to get in the water and I accept that this is just how it is.
0: Yeah, that's That's definitely a, a part of it for sure and then releasing the judgment yes if that's not if it doesn't yeah. happen it doesn't the meaning we make it's right oh yes. i i suck i'm not brave you know the labels we put on ourselves that person's going to think lesser of me because i wasn't able to just go out there and face my fear with them mm-hmm. rather than acceptance and if it doesn't change i'm okay with myself i can you know if if it If it happens in the way that I'm sitting on the beach, (laughs) watching, I'm sitting on the beach and watching, it doesn't make me a lesser of a human. Yep,
1: exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. So it's that, it's just like, can I accept that maybe this is never going to change? And that's okay too. That piece of acceptance, I think is really important for all of us, you know, to like to, cause we, especially us seekers, we're all people, probably the people who listen to your podcast, they're seekers, right? They're people who want more. They're ones that are asking the questions, right? And we are so much, so driven in that changing ourselves and transforming. And heck yeah, like the, the world needs that right now. And our souls need that right now. And I find that seekers are really bad at acceptance, the acceptance piece. Like, what if this is it? What if this is all I am? And it's not resignation, but it's accepting that like, what if this is? What, can this be enough in this moment? Right? Can this be exactly where I am right now? What if nothing changed? Could I change the meaning behind it so that I could just fully love and experience this without feeling like I have to like be somebody else or whatever else? You know, whatever else you're, you're
0: processing. Yeah, you make such a good point about the seeking energy, the meaning, ma- the meaning making energy. And once you get into this level of wanting to heal your wounds and do the shadow work, I mean, you could do that all day long. Forever. <laughs> what At <laughs> what point are you accepting? You know, I, I had a moment myself where like over the summer where I walk and I accepted that just walking around <laughs> makes me feel this good. Like there's no more than this. And I'm like, could you be happy with your life just being walks in the woods and that would be a fulfilling life. Yep. Not having to strive to be some successful entrepreneur or to, you know, make something of yourself just this. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, and and we have a really, the ego has a really hard time with that.
1: Yeah, because it's it's still running on that for you of that, like, am I enough just by doing this? It, it makes me laugh because I remember when, um, we were out walking in Boulder and the boys were, you know, our husbands were running and, um, and we were just hiking it up with my son and, you know, and, and then we stopped before we got to the top and we were going really slow. And it just makes me laugh because that was like, I could feel that in parts of you during that walk of like, we're not going all the way to the top. Like, what what do you mean? We're going to stop right here. And it's like, yeah, this was, this was great. Right. And like, <laughs> and just seeing that level of acceptance of that needed to happen. And, and it's just, it's beautiful, you know, to just go, yeah, like, we're just going to be just, we're just going to listen to our bodies and what's going to be nurturing and what's going to help us in this moment and to feel good and connected. And like, that's
0: enough. <laughs> and that's tuning in and that's mm-hmm. tuning in, not outward. And, you know, the identity that you've known yourself to be, it's Understanding that there's duality here. There's a lot of parts to this, and it's always learning, and your ego will strike again. Last week, I was like, I feel great. I'm going to go run. And I was like, I feel so good in five minutes. I started running fast. And then my hamstring, all of a sudden, the tendon was like, nope, you're done five minutes in. And I was like, that was my ego. I didn't choose to do a warm up. I just went out the gate. I got excited, and it was like, Now you need to go slow again. So, (laughs) and that's what happens to us. Sometimes it's just like you will get, you know, the strike will happen again until you, and we just continue to learn and feel safer and safer as we, like you said, get uncomfortable in the new pattern, but do it in a way that feels slow and safe and steady. And Mm -hmm. many of us just want to go hard out the gate. Let's heal it all out the gate. Let's Let's yeah. get this over. And that's the all, the world we live in too, is everything is instant gratification. Like I want to be done with my healing yesterday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the point I want to make as well is like, there's going to be times where it feels like it's out the gate and there's huge shifts. And that's great too. What the, what the real, what the thing is, is like go with where the energy is and go with where it feels available. And like, sometimes it's going to feel slow. Sometimes it's going to feel like step back. Sometimes it's going to feel like, huge transformations and like it's really about instead of forcing it it's like really learning to roll with our own rhythm and like what is available and what's ready um is really the you know how i help people to get a handle on this healing journey right it's like just go where the energy is because sometimes i feel like there's this huge big thing that happens and then there's really subtle ones and then i feel like i took 20 steps back but in the reality i've taken 50 forwards so i didn't really go backwards at all and you know, so there's that. And then the other piece that came up when when you were speaking is the ego piece. And I just want, you know, there's a lot of polarity around the ego and a lot of fear around the ego. And I just want to kind of preface that the ego is necessary without the ego, nothing happens. We would all be fairy dust sitting here as a soul, right? Like we wouldn't really need to even be in this physical body.
0: Yeah. We would not be having the podcast right now. (laughs) <laughs> right. Not at all. Like, As all you be, being Shay and me, Juliet, and I have a woo cast and this is my thing. Like that wouldn't exist. Right. But it's really our relationship
1: with our ego. Right. It's, it's learning how to have a, a, um, symbiosis between our ego and our soul and the different parts of us. Right. To go, Hey, can my ego and, you know, and my intuitive side and my soul really start to communicate. And in that moment with the run go, yeah, even my soul wants to go out there and run hard right now. That feels so good to me. And it also would feel good to honor the structures and warm up slowly and get into it, right? So it's like really having that play of like, can we just let everyone communicate and have a, have a relationship with our ego that's not so scary? Where, cause I feel like, you know, and I have to really honor what's happening cause I am hearing so many more people talk about the ego in a healthy way. Um, but there is still a lot of people of like, let me shift the ego. Let me let the ego die, all these things. And you know, that, that can feel really hard for people. Um, and also maybe not so healthy because we're trying, we're letting these shadow parts, quote unquote, die instead of just accept them because we're humans, we're human beings and we're not gods. We're not conscious just consciousness, we are humans and we're here to be human. And when you become a human and you choose to come down, As a soul into this form, you sign the contract of the of the shadow parts, of the dark parts, of the light parts, and really learning and really like shifting with that and learning how to uh, clear karma, you know, for your soul's next lifetime. And and so we're here to be messy. So be messy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it can be both things. I had this amazing uh, astrology reading uh, by Reagan Tilton. If you want to go back and listen to her episode, she's in the first dozen episodes of this podcast um actually and then i did two with her um but i was trying to kill my ego at one point because i'm like i'm really on this spiritual path and i i don't like how i'm showing up in this way and it was like this want and need for attention and feeling like uh the center of attention and you know she's such an amazing intuitive and she's like girl you're ego is healthy. You don't have an unhealthy ego. You like attention. Like, of course, we all want to be seen and want attention. But ever since I was a little kid, I'm I'm singing into a hairbrush and like, mom and dad come over here. This is natural for us that we want that kind of energy from our tribe. And like, so there is no reason for you to try to kill that part of yourself. That's a, that is a soul part of yourself that wants to come through and, and have people look at, look at me, pay attention to me. I have something to say. I'm special. We all are, and we don't have to try to kill that part of ourselves to be like, I'm, I'm just one without, with all, you know, (laughs) I'm not any, I'm not special. No, we're all special.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly, exactly it. Yep. <laughs>
0: yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. Well, I know we could talk for hours and hours and I want to respect our time today and we can always have another conversation. Please don't move away. I know you're considering leaving this area, but because yeah. um, I love having you as my neighbor. I know. Uh, we- where can people find you if they want to contact you, get more resources? And I'll put all of this in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so some ways that you can contact me, um, is through my business. It's called the well healing center. Um, so the Instagram page that we have its small, you know, like I'm not really a a social media person these days. I was big time for a while and, um, I've slowed down since I've had my son, but, um, it's just at the well healing center. Um, and you can private message me on there as well, DM me. And, um, I would totally respond, you know, if there's questions, just questions or, um, you know where you can find practitioners in your area, um, and I also do coaching for, especially mostly women right now, um, on the side as well through uh, my husband and I's company called Bridge, um, where he's doing uh, you know sound healing, somatic healing, and I'm doing coaching and somatic healing as well. So we have a couple different avenues, um, but yeah, at my at my Instagram page is probably the best if you want to read a little bit about Network Spinal. You can also go to our website, which is www.thewellhealingcenter.com. Um, and that's also a, a great reference.
0: Amazing. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will catch you
1: soon.